Hello, and welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ sermon series. Yasas, Kalos Irthates do Harrisburg Adelfuse Cristo, where our vision is to be a thriving, diverse urban church, sharing Christ's love and serving the needs of our local and global communities. Here's an example of what you'll hear. If God was powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, he's powerful enough to break these chains of addiction on me. He's powerful enough to break the generational curses in my family. He is powerful enough to stop the senseless violence in Harrisburg. I'm telling you this morning the incredible truth that Jesus Christ is crazy about you. Helping each other to experience God's love, God's power, God's healing. Helping to change one another's lives. Church can continue to be a place, or church can continue to become a people, my people. Let's pray. And now, here's this week's sermon. I hope that it speaks to your heart. Praise the Lord. The, uh, by the way, uh, when Sheila shared about the uh, chocolate pie bidding and the competition, uh, last year I received threats from an individual that he would purchase the chocolate pie and keep it. And uh, I gave that to the Lord, and he was, uh, the Lord smote him ill. And uh, so I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, okay. So. Anyway, in Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 19, Paul and Silas have just set a demon-possessed young woman free who, was a, who gave prophecies and fortune-telling. Starting with verse 19, it says, When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. 
The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. In this passage, we see miracle after miracle. We see Paul and Silas singing in the middle of the night in a Roman prison, the last place you would think somebody would sing in the middle of the night. We then see the earth shake and stocks broken that were holding Paul and Silas and chains falling off of prisoners and prisoners set free. We see Paul and Silas showing mercy to the head prison guard who was about to take his life because if he didn't take it, the Roman authorities would take it. If you're the head of the prison and there's an escape, you're dead. And they led him to Christ that night. Prisoners are saving the guards. Hallelujah. But the miracle that is always missed in this story, and I think probably is the most missed miracle in all of Scripture, is contained in one little line in Acts chapter 16, verse 28. It is three words. It is the words, we're all here. Do not harm yourself. We're all here. Now, I can understand Paul and Silas staying in order to save this man's life and lead him to Christ. But they are not all of the we in we're all here. It is the non-Christian prisoners who listen to two men singing in the middle of the night. It is the non-Christian prisoners who felt the earth shake and saw their chains fall off and their cell doors fly open. Some of these prisoners, I'm sure, had a death sentence hanging over their heads and were about to be executed. Some were there who were doomed to hard labor until they died in some Roman salt mine. Some faced life in brutal Roman prisons. When they could have run, they, the non-Christians, they, the real criminals, when they could have run, they didn't. We're all here. When freedom beckoned them, they stayed. They found that what was happening was so compelling, they were willing to risk their lives to see what was happening to the end. They saw something so amazing, they had to be a part of it, even if it meant they got killed the next day. I'm sure it was not just the Philippian jailer who cried that night, what must I do to be saved? The focus of the story was on the jailer and his family. But men who could have escaped and didn't and who were moved beyond even their desire for self-preservation hung around too. And I'm sure they joined the ranks with the jailer who was saved that night. I'm sure there was more than just one baptism that night. We're all here watching the power of God. Because those prisoners saw the God of Paul and Silas in the middle of a prison setting setting guards free and prisoners free from the much larger prison of sin and lostness and shame. They saw love in the face of hate. They saw joy in the pit of darkness. They saw power that shattered Rome's authority. They saw God showing up in the middle of hell. This is what we celebrate when we hear this story. God sets prisoners free. And there's testimonies here. There are people here, the earth shook the night you got saved. The, the chains fell off the night you got saved. The stockade was broken the night you got saved. You got set free one night. And your story is dramatic. 
It displays the power of God. And some of the people getting baptized here, you will hear about the chains falling off. Hallelujah. But there's another part of this story, too, that we celebrate. After the Philippian jailer was converted, the scriptures take great pains to point out that the jailer's conversion did not just stop with him. Three times in this passage, Luke tells us that this jailer led Paul straight to his family, where there in his home, the gospel was accepted and shared by his wife and his children. It was with his family, with his family this man was baptized. It was with his family, they all got converted. It was with his family, they experienced their first worship service. The gospel spread through the family. What a wonderful way for it to spread. What a natural way. This is how Christ means, I think, for many, many, many to be saved. In fact, statistically, this is how most people in this country get saved because good Christian families brought up their children in the ways of the Lord. The Bible talks about repentance, metanoia, changing one's mind. With the jailer... With those other prisoners, there was a massive mind change. But for some of us who grew up in good Christian homes, you don't know if there, you can ever think of a time you didn't believe in Jesus. You were taught about him from almost the beginning, heard about him through mom and dad and Sunday school and children's church. Some of you even listened to me. It may be you've always thought of yourself as a Christian. For this so, so this baptism means not that you're changing your mind, but that you're making up your mind. It means that you're owning before God and people what you have always known. You are saying, I am following Jesus and choosing to follow Jesus, not just because you mom and dad are Christians, but because I want to be a Christian too. And I want you to know this day that your hope and your prayers have been answered and now the choice has gone beyond your hope to my choice. And during baptism today, people will be baptized in the name of Jesus. To be baptized in someone's name means to be under their authority. They are the boss. Jesus can tell me what to do because he's a whole lot smarter than I am. He can direct my life because he knows the beginning from the end. I will not only love him, but I will follow him. I will learn what he wants and try to do it. I will become his disciple. I will follow him because I take very seriously at my baptism when Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. The other thing I think is very, very critical to realize when we get baptized, when we celebrate people's conversions, is that not only did Jesus save you and that he's with you and that he's for you, but it's very, very important to realize Jesus is inside you. Henry Skogel wrote in 1678, he said, some think that the essence of spirituality is simply sound doctrine. Some think that it is morality or external duties. Some think spirituality is about emotions, 
rapturous ecstasy, he says. But he says spirituality's essence is neither intellectual nor external nor emotional, but quite another thing. What is it? He says true spirituality is the union of our soul with God. A real participation in the divine life through the Spirit, the very image of God drawn upon our souls, or in the apostles' phrase, it is Christ formed within us. I have great news that we're celebrating today at, your, at baptism. You are a good person because Jesus made you a good person. Before Jesus came in and his Spirit came in, you were basically a bad person. Now you have gone from sinner to saint. And it's not just positional. It's in terms of nature. You have gone from anti-God to loving God. It's a reality in your heart now. You have gone from being basically bad to basically good, even though you'll never be perfect. You see, Jesus' spirit came in when you accepted him, and nothing is the same. He is here and now Christ's Spirit is here to teach you, guide you, make Jesus real to you, comfort you, make Scripture a part of your life, make God presence, gift you for significance to be used in the body of Christ, help you do what Jesus wants done in any and every situation. Jesus has come to live his life through you. Hallelujah. You cannot imitate God. It is too difficult. But through the Spirit of Christ... God can live his life through you. Learn how to let him do it. That's part of discipleship. The main part of discipleship is letting Jesus live through your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, your choices, abiding in him. God is alive in you, and you will never, ever be the same again. Hallelujah. Today... You are being baptized in Jesus' name for all those reasons and more. Baptism is the sign of a covenant between you and Jesus Christ. If somebody wants to go get the kids, it's time to go get the kids. Because <laughs> the kids want to see the baptism, and I had to give them a little warning. <laughs> we are entering, what baptism does is it signifies a covenant relationship with Jesus. It's like marriage, which is another form of a covenant relationship. Marriage is when we make promises for a lifetime to one another. It is when a couple proclaims publicly their love for each other. The wedding is the formalization of the covenant with each other before the community of Christ in the world. It is a celebration of these truths. Please understand, the wedding day did not create the love between two people. The love was not created when two people took vows on their wedding day. The wedding did not create the relationship, but love does create weddings. Committed relationships leads to the altar and promises being made. So it is with baptism. It is a covenant relationship. We are not saved because we are baptized, as some teach. We are baptized because we are saved. 
the relationship between Christ and those being baptized began long before they came here this morning. Today is a public proclamation of their relationship and that their relationship with Christ is real and they want the world to know it and they want Christ's community to celebrate it. Baptism did not create love for Jesus, but love for Jesus led to what is about to happen in a few moments. And this is what we celebrate right now. A new covenant, a new start, a new reality. God creating a new thing, a new person, a new relationship. Behold, the old has passed away. All things have become new. And that is why we do this before the body of Christ. It is important. It is, we are called, by the way, the bride of Christ. This is like the wedding ceremony, okay? You may throw bouquets after this is over, all right? Obeying the command of our Lord Jesus and confident of his presence with us, we have come to baptize those who have heard and responded to his call. In Jesus Christ, God has promised to forgive our sins and has joined us together in the family of faith, which is his church. He has delivered us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In Jesus Christ, God has promised to be our Father and to receive us as brothers and sisters in Christ. We know that the promises of God are for you. By baptism, God's sign is placed on you to show that you belong to him. Sharing Christ's reconciling work, you will also share his victory. That in dying with Christ to sin, you will be raised with him to new life. First, I, let's see, we're having, by the way, we're baptizing three people in this service. In the second service, we will be, we will be baptizing five people. If you'd like to hang around for that, uh, there's a small charge, but you may remain. <laughs> so, anyway, I would like Francesca Noy to come. It's a big one. There you go. Okay. There we go. Francesca, can you hear me okay? Is this my God? Okay. My sister, in coming to baptism, you declare your faith in Jesus Christ and announce that you want to be his obedient disciple. 
Francesca, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he has forgiven your sins? Yes. Would you please share your testimony of faith in Jesus Christ? You can look at me if it makes you less nervous, but you can look out there too. Okay. I have faith to be here, especially um, the family of... Uh, uh, what's your... <laughs> For me. Uh -huh. They brought me here. They invited me two years ago. I've been coming here, and I see how... The church members receive receive me or others, and uh, I feel the spirit that one day I would like to join he, uh, the church as a member and to baptize. So today I'm happy, <laughs> and I feel the spirit of the Lord Amen. that I should be baptized. Amen. So I thank all the members here. And I thank my families, mm. and I thank the children also, mm. because they are willing to see and to watch how the, bapti uh, the baptism is. Mm. And really, I really enjoying and feeling strong mm -hmm. in this baptism. Mm. And I may, the, may the Lord God Almighty mm. and Christ Jesus our Savior bless each of you here and bless me too to receive me and forgive me all my sins and i thank you all when when did you become a christian oh long time but <laughs> <laughs> i'm a christian but uh, sometimes you don't feel it mm -hmm. and you feel like you are in the world you do what you want mm. but i'm growing old but when people see me they may think i'm <laughs> just a little girl but i'm growing old and I feel like to give myself to the Lord mm -hmm. and do things that is right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you've known the Lord a while, but today you're saying, I am really, really committing myself yes. to this journey yes. in a way I've never done yes. before. Yes. Okay. And I understand people thinking you're so much younger than you are. I get that all the time. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, would you... <laughs> okay, okay. I thought it was the comment. Anyway, um, Francesca, would you get on your knees? Okay. Well, can you? Okay. You're okay? All right. I was going to. All right. Hank, would you hold this? Would you want to hold your nose if you want? Okay. Would you put your. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Francesca, because of your confession of faith and an obedience to the command of him who is the head of the church, I baptize you into the death of Christ and newness of life through the power of his resurrection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Probably going to need some help here on the other to help get off. Okay. 
Praise the Lord. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. Praise the Lord. I'd like Lael Pierce to come forward. Huh? In fact, Lael Hassinger married to Christian Pierce. Oh, there we go. Well, I'd like Christian Pierce to come forward. And uh, yes. Need any help? the next step. All right. My brother, in coming to baptism, you declare your faith in Jesus Christ and announce that you want to be his obedient disciple. Christian, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. Do you believe he has forgiven your sins? Yes. Please share your testimony of faith in Christ. Good morning. Uh, I grew up in a small community outside of Allentown called Emmaus, and uh, both my parents knew Jesus as their Savior before I was born. I was raised in the church. I did accept Jesus as my Savior in my youth, but in my teens and through college, I broke away my relationship with Christ, which resulted in the inevitable dead end. I was trying to live my life my way and not the Lord's way. Jesus slowly and patiently waited for me. The more I turned to him, the more he worked in my life. In my late 20s, the Lord put Lael in my life, along with my marriage to her and my two children. Her faith helped shape, helped shape mine, and I thank him for my family. As an adult, I still had struggles and problems in my life, and I needed to overcome them. Living the life of an alcoholic, I reached my lowest point, and Jesus was there waiting. I turned my life completely over to him and never looked back. I attended men's group. I brought to light the sin of my life, and in doing so, it became powerless over me. Jesus forgave me. Following the ways of Jesus transformed me. Looking back, I realized again I was trying to live my life my way and not God's way. I was living according to the flesh and not of the spirit. Jesus broke my bonds and gave me freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. I don't want to let my past problems define who I am. I want to be recognized as being a man of God, a servant, and a follower of Christ. And that is why I'm standing here before you as a living testament. Amen. 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 Get on your knees. Christian, because of your confession of faith and an obedience to the command of him who is the head of the church, I baptize you into the death of Christ and to newness of life through the power of his resurrection in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen, my brother. Praise the Lord.
Dale, my sister, in coming to baptism, you declare your faith in Jesus Christ and announce that you want to be his obedient disciple. Lael, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. Do you believe he has forgiven your sins? I do. Would you please give your testimony of faith in Christ? Here is a bit that I know so far. I grew up in a loving family and went to church with my best friend's family just down the street when I was, from when I was about five years old. When I visited my grandmother, she taught me the Lord's Prayer. God put these and other people in my life such that I might have a soft heart formed by love and hear the gospel at a young age. I'm so thankful to God for all those who are early sowers of Jesus' seeds in my life because enough seeds were scattered that at least one survived despite my own neglect of my spiritual garden for many years. So for all of you who share the good news with kids and youth, mm -hmm. I praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Despite this fine start from about age 10 to 18, I was mainly interested in whatever seemed like fun to me, and because I had a wrong understanding about God, there seemed, there seemed to me to be nothing fun about God. My, my mistake was in seeing him as angry and only a judge, I'm far away in a boring place full of only clouds called heaven. Hmm. I did not realize back then what I know now. In my youth, I was just seeking pleasure wherever I could find it. This fortunately did include being with friends doing things like church camp. There were special moments at youth camp of raw honesty and tears and singing songs of praise where it seemed like something very real and powerful was breaking through. The Lord had not given up on me yet. The seed has sporadic watering and didn't die off completely. From my young adult years through to age 30, the weeds of my life grew up around me again. What were these weeds? Just a wrong focus on career, other typical life milestones, and my own desires to the near exclusion of God. In short, I was a very typical human being on this earth. Somehow God had become merely a concept rather than a reality, a real person. I was turned off of organized religion, including Christianity. I grew to have a real dislike of Christians, and for a period of my life, I could not even use the word God, despite using other words like life force. But did Christ give up on me even then? No. C.S. Lewis says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I was certainly deaf by then. My time of pain had come. And do I believe God caused it? No, I surely have to cause it through my own self-centeredness. What God did do was to redeem it and redeem me in the process. My world crashed down in depression and divorce in that order. I was lost, lonely, and sad. Out of seemingly nowhere, a phrase popped into my head that I repeated internally many times in that dark year. It was simply this do the right thing. That's it. So I tried to do it. And instead of arguing over money and the divorce, I insisted that we give the disputed amount to charities. So that is what we did. That is what God did in me. Before I was willing to stand up for him or even say his name at all, he sustained me and brought good out of a bad situation. <laughs> Clearly only God can make a non-linear move and flip a selfish situation upside down like that. This focus I had on doing the right thing was better than my prior focus on doing mostly just what I wanted. And so I believe it watered and softened the soil around the seed. 
After the breakup, I moved home to my loving parents, and sometime in those early months at home, Mom shared with me an article from some mainstream newspaper or journal about a historical Jesus scholar. The article led to book and more books, and I discovered Jesus as if it was for the first time, not in any single mystical moment, and at first not even through the scriptures, but in a growing knowledge of truth and growing experiential reality of God and relationship with God. The seed had finally sprouted and was growing. God was actually with me and for me, but only now was I starting to really realize this most basic truth. I still struggle, doubt, and stumble, but Lord willing, I stumble forward. The Lord has been so good to me, I've never given up on me. I put Christian on my life, who is the most Christ-formed human being that I know. And I get to be married to him and rejoice in the father that he is to our children. I sense a real Jesus-shaped garden growing in our family now. Through all this, I now know what I did not know when I was young, when I was a kid. Still in school and thinking God was angry and boring. Now I know that Jesus, my Lord and my God, is and has always been loving, humble, full of grace and truth, and that he gives abundant life, not boring life. And that this life starts now, not later. I may dial out of that sometimes. He is always right there waiting for me to dial back into abundant life. I even realized that Jesus laughs. It's true. One time I was blessed to be able to hear it. Mm. Lastly, I understand that all who call upon him are not only loved, but threaded into this most awesome true story that stretches around the globe and backward and forward through time. And there is a purpose for me and all believers in this epic story. Thank you, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. I love you. Amen. Amen. because of your confession of faith and an obedience to the command of him who is the head of the church. I baptize you into the death of Christ and to newness of life through the power of his resurrection. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. going to happen now is that Hank and I and the rest of us are going to go dry off, change clothes, and come back, and we'll present certificates of baptism and give you an opportunity to, to uh, bless them with your hugs or handshakes or words. Until we get back, they'll be singing, and, and uh, uh, we'll see you in a little bit. So. <laughs> I feel a real sense of joy, so we're gonna we're gonna sing He Reigns again.
Feel free to stand with us if you'd like. Praise God. <laughs> 